Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I got a star. I got a star guest today. Uh, many of you will probably already recognize the name. He is Randy Sutton. Uh, he served for more than three decades as a law enforcement professional, uh, both in New Jersey and the Las Vegas Metro Police Department, where he resides now and has a very nice place. He was nice enough to give me a couple cigars at his place, which was very, very kind of him. Uh, he has authored several books. Uh, one is a cop's life. Another is true blue to protect and serve. Uh, according to his bio, which is most interesting to me, he was in a few films: Casino, Fools Rush In, Miss Congeniality Two. And I will say, I saw all three of those movies. And my first question is, I'm going to call BS because I don't remember you in any of those. And I've seen <laughs> Casino like two dozen times. Where the well, hell were you, you in Casino? Okay, then you need you need to get your your hearing and your eyesight checked. <laughs> Because, let, hold on a second, hold on a second. Okay. Go for it, yeah. I'm going to show you something. Proof. For those folks that are on this audio called, only, he's, he's showing me something. The proof is in the pudding, okay? There you go. There, is that Joe Pesci? No, it's Robert De Niro. Oh, uh, De Niro. See, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you with those glasses. <laughs> oh, so you were you were in that scene when uh, when his wife was going Sharon, nuts. Right, Sharon Stone was smashing her car. Into That's car. right. That's right. Well, why didn't you bring her in? Why didn't I bring her in where? Yeah, why didn't you why didn't you take her to the to the station or whatever? Movie, I mean, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, she's assaulting and everything anyhow. So <laughs> <laughs> now now that I got my little film buff trivia out of the way, uh most importantly, and I, I got a special note that I want to talk about because I know you're you're highly involved as the CEO of the Wounded Blue. So I want to talk mostly about that. But so let's talk about this law enforcement survival summit um, you've got coming up in October. I believe you've got some news right. on that event. Yeah, uh, October 11th through the 14th, uh, the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. This is our second annual. It will be held in Terre Haute, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Some of the some of the best presenters in the country. You know, we created this this summit. Uh, this conference, because it is different than pretty much anything else that's out there. Um, it's every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, Ken. It's physical and tactical, but it's also emotional survival. It is financial survival. It is relationship survival. It is every aspect. And I guess literally some of the best presenters in the country of uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb will be presenting. Dave and Betsy Smith will be, you know, they're legendary police trainers, Jason Schechterly, who is, uh, whose story of survival and uh, is, is, I mean, mesmerizing. Um, every police officer, whether you are active duty or even retired, has something to gain from coming to this mm -hmm. conference. Uh, and we really urge people to bring their, their spouses or significant others as well, because this is designed for them too. Uh, every aspect of surviving a law enforcement career, Go to thewoundedblue.org, look under events. If there is a financial hardship, don't worry. We have sponsors that will pay for you. That's, that's, the, that's the power of this. Mm -hmm. um, 
And if they, if uh, anybody wants to come and they can't afford the two ninety five, contact me, Randy at thewoundedblue.org, and I will get a scholarship to you. So, uh, but, but I mean, I can't, I can't um, tell you enough about how important this training is, Ken, because it is literally career saving, life saving stuff, and because it's my conference. There's going to be some fun. <laughs> oh, God forbid that we actually enjoy I, the sucker, too. We, 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 that's right. That's right. You know what? I, I went to so many training conferences as a, both as, you know, in my, in my position as a head of training for, uh, for Las Vegas Metro. Uh, one thing I found that not all, not all of them, in fact, not many of them were really fun. So we've got, uh, we've got Vinny Montez, a great comedian coming. Uh, we've got a night of, um, of uh, fun at a, uh, at a at a firearms range that's got all kinds of entertainment. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. And uh, plus, uh, I guarantee you that anybody that comes will walk away going, "Wow, that was a hell of a conference." Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and nothing says fun like uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. By the way, um, <laughs> being originally from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? Let's go to Terre Haute. Uh, will Larry Bird be there? Well, you see, here's here's, here's <laughs> why it's in Terre Haute. Um, we're doing this in conjunction with two other charitable organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Never Project Never Broken and Project uh, 703. And both of these, uh, one, is, one was created by the widow of a murdered police officer in Champaign, Illinois. Mm-hmm. The other is the sister of a murdered police officer in Terre Haute. So they wanted to bring it to the Midwest because those officers in that area, uh, we wanted to give them special access to it. So there's a there's always a reason for what I do, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. And Terre Haute, all BS aside, I've been to Terre Haute. It's a it's a very nice little town um, and probably uh, only, uh, I'd say, like two, two and a half hours in good traffic from Chicago's mm-hmm. O'Hare or Midway Airport, where I am from, um, to get into serious mode for just a little bit, which I an area I don't like to stay in too long because, you know, I like to have fun, too. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about what survival really looks like today for law enforcement professionals, whether, as you mentioned, whether they're active or retired, because, you know, obviously we 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 don't give just lip service to what we call the soundness initiative, which is soundness in fi- the financial area, the physical area, the emotional area, um, and the professional area. And what you just said about your conference and more than just that, what you do really aligns well with that. So what does survival really look like? You know, um, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. And it is probably the most challenging question that that uh, that you could that you could ask because it's probably different for just about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. You know. So let, I want to go back into my career a little bit. Please. You know, when I was when I was a, a, a police officer, um, I went through two training academies. I went through the New Jersey State Police Academy, and then uh, Las Vegas Metro Police Academy, and and there was a great deal of emphasis on firearms on uh you know uh, empty hand techniques physical survival there was very very little on all the other aspects about surviving a law enforcement career and and physical survival is absolutely essential um i'm i'm really happy that dave and bessie smith will be 
part of uh, part of the training conference for me because I actually went through their training when I was a police officer um, in the Caliber Press Street Survival Seminars, uh, which was to me that was that was a watershed training opportunity uh, because it really focused on that physical survival. And I am a strong believer in the warrior mentality. Mm. Uh, I don't uh, I don't apologize for it because I believe that that understanding that uh, that that warrior mentality is about I will survive. And if, I believe it saved my life uh, during uh, during a, um, a very, very hairy gunfight that I was in. And um, I believe that every cop needs to be a warrior, not all the time, but when the moment when the moment comes, because only by being a warrior can you survive the physical combat that you may get into. And, and this is a very misunderstood uh, aspect of policing because mm-hmm. in the in this in the new in the new age of policing, that word warrior is frowned upon by mm-hmm. many of the police leaders that are now in power and of course city leaders. In fact, um, there have been um, there have been training conferences that were canceled because it had the word warrior in it. And that's the insanity that, that law enforcement officers are facing today. So, you know, survival is, but it is much more. Um, yeah. Kevin Gilmartin, one of my, one of my heroes, uh, wrote the book, Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. It is the Bible that should be read by every single police officer. Um, but, but surviving a law enforcement career is, is more than just physical. It is more than just emotional. It is, it is, it is your family. It is, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, all, we often see the failures of marriages that mm-hmm. dissolve under the pressures of being a police officer. It doesn't have to be. You're, there's ways, there's, there's, there's ability to, to lead a healthy, normal, quote, unquote, life as a cop. But you have to, you have to, you have to develop the skills for it. That's what this conference is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, this is, here's how the conference came about. I think it's a pretty good story. Sure. Um, I was meeting with a, a very influential builder in Las Vegas. I was quite honestly, I was hitting them up for a five or ten thousand dollar donation for the for for my organization, the Wounded Blue. And uh, we sat in his office. And first of all, my memory sucks. So I found I found I found that out when I had to remind you about the interview. But go ahead. <laughs> If I don't write it down and I don't look at that calendar, it didn't happen. So, so I walked into this guy's office. I was getting a, getting an audience with him is very difficult because he's a very you know he's a he's he's a big business guy here. Mm-hmm. And I shook his hand and I said, "Great to meet you." And he looked at me and said, "You don't remember me, huh?" And I'm going, "Oh God, what did I forget that?" Right? To pull him over like 20 years earlier or something? No, about 20, <laughs> but 20 years earlier, he actually rode on patrol with my squad because his brother-in-law worked for me and he actually so he said i rode a couple night a couple shifts with your squad and i'm going okay then so there so the ice was broken you know and i told him what i was there for you know i I told him all about the wounded blue what the mission is and uh, you know it's uh, it's a nationwide charity that helps injured and disabled officers and and what we do, we provide peer support. We help people get into treatment if they need it, et cetera, and so forth. I'm, I'm giving them the, the uh, you know, the, the, the sure. basics of what the organization does. And he said, okay, he says, Randy, I can stroke you a check right now, five or 10 Gs. But 
what would it look like if you were able to prevent these officers mm -hmm. from being injured and killed and, and dealing with PTSD? What would that look like? Well, I'd already been, this has been a, in my brain forever, was be to create a training program mm -hmm. that would encompass every aspect about surviving a law enforcement career. And I told him, and he says, how much would that cost? And I tell you the truth, I didn't know. So I just threw a figure out and he said, that's more like it. And that's how the first training conference yeah. came, came about last year. <clears throat> and it was so well received that, uh, um, that uh, we're doing it. This is going to be an annual event. And if we, uh, and if possible, I'll put it on in different parts of the country. Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. OfficerPrivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from OfficerPrivacy.com. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a $19.99 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. Organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org. Surviving a law enforcement career is, is uh, much more complicated than just concentrating on, on surviving, a, you know, physically intacting one. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many awesome things to kind of unwrap of upon what you just said, you know, first of all, um, I'm really, really pleased. And there's a lot of folks out there that are businesswomen, businessmen that are remaining anonymous that are really supporting law enforcement and other first responders. And I'm really pleased to, to see that uh, and hear that from you personally. Um, and then, you know, some that are very obvious about it. I've said this on the show a couple of times. I, I have a lot of respect for Tillman Fertitta that runs uh, the Landry's groups and those restaurants and what he does for uh, law enforcement, not only in Texas, but uh, but beyond. So I'm really pleased to, to see that and hear that. Um, going back to one of the other things that you said, which I think is very poignant, is that warrior's mentality. Now, you know, bluntly, you know, I've never served as a police officer, first responder, military. I respect all of those professions, but I've, I never served. But being being a branding guy, you know, it seems as though the word warrior is fine, at least in my opinion. But I think maybe that needs like a revamped definition, uh, because I think what 
and I want your take on it. I think a lot of police officers that I've known and I've met have been very black and white in that it's like, okay, it's fight or flight. You know, I'm either going to, I'm going to pound this down. If I feel like crap, I'm going to, I'm going to, or I'm going to ignore it. You know, I'm going to ignore that, you know, I'm even having this problem and I'm going to stay away from my family so they don't see it or so forth that there's, yeah. there's only these, these two extremes but I think that, unfortunately, it's it's slower than I'd like, but fortunately, some chiefs of police are getting on the program of this whole holistic officer uh, approach that I think today, you know, being a warrior is, you're like that old, you know, we talked about movies, you know, that old Clint Eastwood movie, you know, Heartbreak Ridge, what he said, you know, we improvise, we adapt, we overcome, you know, sometimes you need to fight. You know, sometimes, you know, being a warrior is being so strong to say, all right, you know, I'm messed up. You know, there's, my, my family isn't where I want it to be. You know, I'm not where I want it to be. Rather than being angry about it or ignoring it, I'm going to come someplace in the middle and say, all right, you know, we got this issue. Let's 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 hit it head on, whatever that means, whether it's therapy, you know, whether that's counseling, you know, whether that's just, you know, me, you know, meditating, whatever the heck it is. And I think the new warrior is understanding exactly. All right. There is a problem. You know, let's look at the many different ways rather than anger and ignoring of how we can attack it. Is, is, do I, am I in point there or am I just yes. you know, a civilian that's stupid? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that that's not also the case. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's very good insight, actually. And and the Wounded Blue deals with, I mean, literally, I deal with every single day. I deal with another tragic set of circumstances, right? Yeah. Uh, my team has helped more than 13,000. You heard that number right? In yeah. the last three and a half years, more than 13,000 law enforcement officers, which yeah. is an it's astounding. Like a, yeah, that's like a small town. It's an astounding yeah. number. And 80% of the people that we come in contact with, that we help, have been referred to us by someone else that we have helped. So that's really strong. That's really strong. But yeah, policing has evolved. Law enforcement has evolved to, uh, to a much greater degree than I, I would have even thought a few years ago when it comes down to understanding um, that there are tremendous emotional and psychological challenges that, that, that a law enforcement officer faces. And you know, one of the things I learned early on um, was, the, um, was the fact that every, every cop feels very much alone in their mm -hmm. feelings. Uh, when I wrote the book, my first book was, uh, uh, was done after the World Trade Center was attacked. Mm -hmm. And it was called True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them. And I donated all the royalties to the Widows and Orphans Fund for the cops who were killed in 9-11. That's what began my writing career. Didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't, it wasn't planned. But what I learned from that was really important because cops started reaching out to me saying, thank you for doing that book. And same thing with The Cop's Life, which were all my own stories, because I thought I was alone in my feelings. And that's where it really hit me that that. We are very stoic. Mm -hmm. We don't want to share what, what some people perceive as a weakness when it comes down to, why do I feel this way? You know, why am I behaving in this way? What, what has changed in my, in my life that, that makes me view things so differently than I did as a young police officer? And, and how are those behaviors 
Am I, why am I drinking so much? Mm-hmm. Why am I isolating from my family? You know, one of the isolating from the family is really critical. Um, cops are protectors. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really, I mean, inherently, that's why we take the job. But we, we want to protect our loved ones, mm-hmm. right? So we think we're doing the right thing when we don't share those, some of those horrendous feelings with the person that we love. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we, we, we don't, we want to protect them from that when in actuality, it's having just the opposite effect. But learning that is something that, that we need to, we need to, um, you know, always provide that ability to learn. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's really what, um, what the Wounded Blue is about. You know, our, our, our motto or our mission, excuse me is to improve the lives of injured and disabled officers through support, education, assistance, and legislation, and prevention and peace. Mm-hmm. So um, to that end, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to travel up to Utah to present to the entire Utah Sheriff's Association mm-hmm. about what it's like. Many of these, off- these, these sheriffs and police chiefs have never dealt with a seriously injured officer or someone who is who is struggling with post-traumatic stress injury. Yeah. And so this training course is designed to give them guidance on how to how to deal with those issues. So because what 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 happens so frequently, Ken, so heartbreaking, is that these officers are thrown away by their departments. Yeah. So so you know to survive a law enforcement career is something that literally you have to work for every single moment of your day um has to be in the back of your mind not only am i going to survive this 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 confrontation physically when i go into warrior mode but i'm also going to learn to deal with those emotions that that i feel after i see it i mean i i remember i remember you know some of the instances in my career um where you know you have to be stoic during during the moment right Mm -hmm. so i mean but you see some things that are so heartrending and heartbreaking but you can't show that then i remember you know i remember a terrible 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 suicide of a young boy and his his whole family was there and i mean it was just it was just still to this day heartbreaking Mm. and i but i had to be stoic then you know yeah. But at the end of that, I got in my patrol car. I went and hid behind a shopping center and couldn't couldn't control myself. Yeah. You know what? That's normal. We don't mm-hmm. think it is, but it is. And so learning how to how to cope with these things is absolutely essential. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of um something one of our other great guests had mentioned chris luttrell who's um, law enforcement in the state of washington i believe and if i get this paraphrase wrong i apologize chris but it was it was basically yeah these are our normal reactions to seeing you know abnormal things right um you know that that civilians like myself just wouldn't understand we might see you know one bad thing in a lifetime you know you and your fellow officers might see you know one bad thing you know every hour (laughs) depending on the day and then be expected to continue with yeah in in your normal life after you after you you know are 
are part of a situation that is uh, absolutely horrendous. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of the challenges of being a police officer. Yeah. To kind of wrap up the this warrior concept, and then I, I want to move on to, to another question real quick. I, I share this on occasion, not to highlight myself, but because I think it might help some folks out there. Uh, many people is in, you know, this, that I'm a, an alcoholic in recovery, two and a half years sober. And I probably would have gotten sober a lot earlier, you know, in you know, 30 years of hard drinking, if it wasn't for my, not only my stubbornness, but thinking, oh, you know, everybody's going to think I'm a piece of shit. You know, if I come out and I say, I've got this problem, you know, I'm going to lose my wife, I'm going to lose my friends, I'm going to lose my colleagues, I'm going to lose my business. And when I finally said, you know, I got a problem, I need help. Yeah, the ironic thing to me, which I think people need to hear, is I lost nobody. No, nobody, right. nobody, nobody left me. Yeah, it was every everybody, everybody was either even my wife, you know, who had to deal with some very serious crap. You know, nobody, nobody left me, and everybody was either in one of two buckets: either the bucket of oh, you, you stopped drinking, yeah, okay, whatever. It was apathetic. It's like so you're not drinking now. All right, you know, you want to grab a soda and we'll go to the bar. You know, they didn't care. And the other bucket were people, wow, you know, that was really strong of you to admit that, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, it, that, that was strength. And I think about my, my brother-in-law, you know, who in many ways is stronger than I am, uh, who was in the military, who also had a problem, who is, is now sitting, unfortunately, like a vegetable in a long-term care facility because he didn't, he made a different choice than, than I made. Right. Um, and it's, it's very unfortunate. So my, my point is not my story, but if, you know, what's holding you back to getting help, whether it's from the wounded blue, whether it's from, you know, how to love our cops, you know, somebody, if what's holding you back to getting that really help is you're going to be seen as weak, I can pretty much guarantee you that 90, 95% of the people that will see that will not think that at all. You're you're 100 percent right. I'm, and, you know, and, and unfortunately, substance abuse is a major issue in law enforcement, mm -hmm. uh, both for, uh, alcohol and also prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. It is a it is a huge, huge problem. And uh, and it's, it's destroyed the lives and careers of thousands upon thousands of good cops. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's you know, it's very frustrating to to see that. I mean, I've. I've watched, I, I believe me, I've had, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to, to the bottle either. Mm. And, uh, and uh, uh, I have seen, I have seen just, you know, really talented, good, good cops destroy their careers and their lives because they refuse to get help. Mm. And once you do, I mean, geez, I, I, I probably half the people I know are recovering alcoholics, yeah. you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's the norm. And it, and it, and there's now, I believe policing has become much more accepting of go of, of dealing with, with the, with these issues and then protecting those officers instead of throwing them away as they used to do yeah. frequently. Now, believe me, there's still plenty of places that you would never go to your chief and say, hey, chief, you know what? I need to go into a rehab facility. Yeah. Right? But Which is unfortunate. 
which is very unfortunate. But the uh, the uh, reality is that that you know, like a slow moving ship, right? Um, it is changing. I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing it across the the nation, basically a much more understanding approach to when people have serious issues mm -hmm. and and learning how to deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, you know, switching gears completely here, speaking of, of dealing with things, how did a, an individual like yourself who was proficient only at making stick figures go to writing multiple books? <laughs> <laughs> I had I had to bring some comic relief in some way. <laughs> <laughs> you well, don't even have to answer that. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's so my I actually have a new book coming out um in two months. Nice called Rescuing 911, the fight mm -hmm. for America's safety. Mm -hmm. Um and it's all it's very timely because it's all about all the insanity that's taken place with the defunding movement mm -hmm. and all this other insanity that has now led to the crisis, what I call the crisis of under policing yeah. in America. Uh, but I never intended to be a writer, quite honestly. Um, and it all began um, in, in a uh, because of a because of an, uh, an incident that I was involved in that was so emotionally powerful. Um, I saved the life of a one-month-old baby mm. who had been shot in the face in a drive-by shooting. And um, I came upon it. I was on patrol. I was a sergeant you know, with Metro. Um, I came upon a car that was off the, to the side of the road, right off the Las Vegas Strip. And there were people running around screaming. And I, of course, radioed for backup and got out of the car. There were bullet holes all over the car. And somebody screamed, oh, my God, the baby's been shot. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was, there was, it, was a, it was a gang initiation drive-by shooting. Mom and dad are in the car, one month old in the baby seat on the way to the store and these, these assholes came up and just opened fire on the, the shot hit the baby in the face. And because I was there so quickly, Ken, I was able to, what happened was all this gunk went down her throat and choked. Yeah. I was able to clear her airway, give her mouth to mouth, bring her back and hand her over to the hospital where they saved, you know, they saved her life. And, and, uh, and she's now a happy, healthy, you know, 23 year old woman now. Well, yeah. that that moment was so powerful to me. I went home uh, with a bottle of scotch and and a yellow pad and a pen, and I wrote the story. It's called "Her Name Was Jackie," mm. and didn't have anything to do with it. I just felt like I needed to write it. Yeah, and I put it in a drawer, and that there it sat for three years until the World Trade Center was attacked. And I was so frustrated at not being able to go help those guys over there mm. that I, I wanted to do something. And, and then I remembered that story. And I said, you know what? Every cop I know has a story like that. Mm. These are powerful stories. If I could put them all in a book and then raise money for the families, that's what I want to do. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And that, that, that story, her name was Jackie, wound up winning first place in a national writers contest and led to me getting a publishing deal with St. Martin's Press, one of the largest publishers in the mm -hmm. world. And that's how my writing career began. It was not anything that I intended. Yeah. It was just something that uh, was meant to be uh, just like everything else in my life. I never intended any of it yeah. <laughs> except to be a cop. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was intentional. That was intentional. Well, well, I never intended to be a podcaster, and it shows <laughs> my my lack of interviewing skills because my attempt at at a at levity at a, at a light question turned into another serious moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> but to begin to kind of wrap this up a little bit, uh, especially for those folks that. For whatever reason, you know, maybe they certainly can't afford it, but they just don't have the time to go to Terre Haute. You know, maybe they need something else from the Wounded Blue. Tell us a little bit about what you have coming up in 2023 with the Wounded Blue that, that people should know about. Well, we're going to be doing another training conference exactly like this. It'll be the third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. It'll, it'll be in October again. It'll mm. be in Las Vegas mm. in 2023. And we're also going to be holding... Um, on the final night of that, our uh, Blue Heart Ball, which is going to be really cool because we've created an award for officers who are are severely injured in the line of duty, kind of like the Purple Heart for the police. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we will be giving uh, a number of those awards away at, at the event. And uh, uh, so, uh, but it's really easy to connect with us. We have a tremendous documentary film. I urge anybody that's interested in this topic Go to um, go to Amazon and put in the word "the wounded blue." Mm-hmm. It's a full documentary film which will blow you away about how cops are treated once they are injured or disabled, whether physically or emotionally and psychologically. It's yeah. it's a really really powerful film, and it shows why we exist. You know, it shows. Let me tell you, I'll know. Uh, I, success for me would be no need for the wounded blue to exist. Yeah. That would be success for me. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, it is, it is truly unfortunate that an organization like mine has to exist. Mm. You know, when I, it, and, and I, I created this organization because after I was, after I lost my career because of a line of duty injury, mm. I realized that nobody, there was no, there were no resources. I felt so alone, abandoned. So what we do, our, our motto is really important, never forgotten, never alone. And I have a fully trained peer support team called the Peer Advocate Support Team. Every one of these officers has been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up and screwed over. Many of them cannot, can no, no longer function as a police officer because of mm-hmm. the extent of those injuries. But yet, Ken, they want to continue to serve. And they are in very, very heroic fashion. They are saving lives. I had a person call me last week and say, Randy, if it weren't for your organization, I would have killed myself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get any more stark and any more powerful than that. But these, what, what the guidance and the, and the camaraderie and the understanding that these men and women have that are part of the Wounded Blue is truly heroic. I am so proud of them. And they exist for every single police officer in this country. That's what makes us so unique. And we yeah. we literally are a resource for every cop in America and every police department in America. There's police departments that have called us and said, we've got a really serious issue mm-hmm. and we don't have the resources to deal with it. And I've flown teams all over the country to spend a week with a police department or with, with a police organization, providing peer support, providing resources. And we work with all kinds of other organizations i've just completed a deal um two weeks ago that is that is amazing there's a a place called camp patriot 
Mm. It's up in the wilds of Montana. And I mean to say it's in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's been <laughs> in operation for, for more than 10 years by a special forces guy who has who has opened his his cabin door, so to speak, to special forces people that have come back and are having, you know, issues with with you know uh, you know the, what they have seen and done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he reached out to me and said, you know what, I know that you are that the police are dealing with the same stuff. Would you be interested in 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 um, partnering with me mm-hmm. and sending cops that you know need it up here for a, for a, a great wildlife you know experience? So I went up there with um, uh, Dave and Betsy Smith, and for five days, and we experienced what he has to offer: ATVs. Uh, I had I I did a little rowing experience. <laughs> Down, down this incredible river mm-hmm. with a beer and a cigar where bald eagles are <laughs> flying over me as I floated down a river for five and a half hours. Yeah. It's incredibly peaceful. And so we have, uh, we have completed this deal, and now we will be sending injured and disabled officers up there as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I was excited about it until I thought about the idea that I might, if I went up there, I might have to kill my own food. I mean, I don't even, I don't, even, I don't even know where tacos and hot dogs okay, live. Not you quite know. that. Not quite that <laughs> Actually, Micah Clark, who who uh, who runs the place, is a hell of a cook. Yeah. He oh, loves nice. It, man. He loves it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, to wrap this up, yeah, I think that you know one big question, you know, which is is obvious. Any officer, any law enforcement family member that knows somebody that's struggling, or maybe the individual themselves struggling out there, is there a piece of advice that you could give out there uh, for that person listening that might help at least even just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it's it's open open that door. Open that door. If you feel someone is struggling, be that person who says, "I've I've noticed something about you." Yeah. And there's there is, there is a great organization that understands and is completely confidential, and is is a resource for you. And uh, and I believe me, there's so many people that have contacted us with just that question. Listen, mm-hmm. my I saw my husband. Or my partner. A lot of these are partners, calling. yeah. And they say, "But I don't know what to do." And I say, "You know what? You give me their contact information and let us run with it." Mm-hmm. And and we're really really effective at reaching out and and guiding people into a much better place. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm sure of that, and I'm not surprised at all. So, last question before I let you go. For any of those folks that either want to attend in Terre Haute in October or simply want more information about the Wounded Blue, maybe they need your help or maybe they want to support the Wounded Blue, how best can they find you and your organization? Well, the organization, if, you, if you're interested in the, uh, in the event, uh, go to thewoundedblue.org and there mm-hmm. you'll, you'll just follow the prompts to the event. Easy to register. If you uh, if you need a sponsorship for it for that two ninety five, contact me directly, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. It's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. Or if you want to support our organization, because I can tell you, raising money for police charity 
is really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, even $10 a month would be a, would be a, a major help. If we can get enough people, um, you know, to believe in this organization and give to it. I mean, it's, uh, it's really, uh, if you're a business and you want to sponsor the wounded blue or the, or the, uh, or the summit, um, then, uh, contact me. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. You're awesome. I really appreciate not only what you're doing, but taking time out of what I know is a really busy day to, to share some of this info, not only about the Wounded Blue, but this this upcoming Survival Summit. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and you're invited to the summit as well, buddy. Awesome. Awesome. I haven't been in Terre Haute in like, I don't know, 25 years. Maybe it's time I go back. I think um, it is. I think, <laughs> I think you need to experience it. Maybe, maybe. If I if I don't make that one, you know, Las Vegas is a shorter car yeah. drive for me, <laughs> being in Los Angeles County. But Randy, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for everything that you do. Uh, we really appreciate it here at Public Safety Talk Radio and the, the POCOA. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listen to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio, and we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. The POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today. Thank you.